If you like weird history, true crime, haunted and paranormal, then pause the podcast you're listening to right now and subscribe to Ghost Town wherever you listen to podcasts. We also have a video component to our favorite Ghost Town episodes at youtube.com slash Jason Horton. Episodes like The Los Feliz Murder House, The Toxic Lady, The Black Dahlia, Janis Joplin's Hotel Room, The Haunted Roosevelt Hotel, and more. Just go to youtube.com slash Jason Horton. That's youtube.com slash J-A-S-O-N-H-O-R-T-O-N. And while you're there, please subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes. Thank you. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Support for today's show comes from Harry's.com. Go to Harry's.com slash friends to get a free trial shave set. You just pay for the shipping. And RX Bar, go to RxBar.com slash FWB and put FWB in the checkout code to get 25% off your order. All right, let's do it. It's It's the Friends Without Benefits podcast. My name is Jason Horton. Welcome to the show. Today, I sit down and I chat with Douglas Kim. Uh, Doug has his own Facebook watch show. That's Facebook's original programming. It's called Just Doug. And he is also a professional poker player. He was in the World Series of Poker. And so I talk in depth about that. I probably could have talked to him for another hour about that. I want to talk about harrys.com. I actually... This worked out great. I actually needed good quality razors because I had an audition which I needed to be clean shaven and I'm not always clean shaven and I usually dread it when I do. It's usually, it's very expensive razors or I gotta go get them or if I get the cheap ones because maybe I only need to do it for one day, they hurt my face. So I got, I already have enough trouble going to auditions that I don't need a red irritated face. So I had a great shave with Harry's. I went into the audition super confident, a nice, smooth, non-irritated shave. Harry's is all about a great shave at a fair price. That's why 3 million guys have already switched to Harry's. Jeff and Andy, two ordinary guys fed up with getting charged an arm and a leg for razor blades, started Harry's to fix shaving. Harry's stripped away all the unnecessary features, vibrating handles and heating blades, and all the unnecessary cost to deliver customers one perfect razor at an amazing price. A good shave, good blades, and Harry's owns the factory. So they're able to deliver amazing quality blades for about $2 a blade compared to $4 or more you're going to pay anywhere else. And all the products are backed with a 100% quality guarantee. Harry's is so confident you're going to love their blades, they're going to give you a trial shave set for free when you sign up at harrys.com slash friends. You just pay for the shipping. Claim your free trial offer from Harry's today. It's a $13 value for free when you sign up. You just have to cover shipping. It includes a weighted ergonomic razor handle, five precision engineered blades with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. Go get your free trial set at harrys.com slash friends right now. That's harrys.com slash friends. For those of you keeping up with my stand-up career, I guess... It's not really a career, but for those of you keeping up with it, I had a really, really good show at Flappers in Burbank uh, that I may have mentioned I was doing on the last episode. Uh, I I think it was one of my best, I think. The reaction uh, made me feel that way. 
And what was exciting is uh, I didn't really open for, but she was also she was on the lineup, and I went up before her. Uh, but Mary Lynn Ricekub, who played uh, on uh, Twenty Four, Chloe O'Brien played the tech uh, the tech per- person. She was a, a main cast, main part of the show. But she's super funny. Uh, she's uh, Gail the Snail on It's Always Sunny, and about a million other things. And it was I, I was just like I didn't want to go on before her and not be good. So the people watching her going, wow, Marilyn, you're a funny professional, and the person who went on before you was really terrible, so we're really happy you were here. But I also, I wanted to do good because I'm uh, a greedy, selfish person, and I want to do well, but I also, uh, I want people to be in good spirits when the next person goes up. Uh, they're not, like, starting from zero, so that was, like, super exciting. I mean, I know, like, for you know, a lot of people that do stand-up, they perform with uh, really great people all the time. And I perform with hilarious people. Like every, I was like, everyone is so good here. But when it's somebody that's like a celebrity type, I don't know. I just thought it was really cool. I actually uh, did a last-minute show uh, a couple of nights ago, and it was a, uh, for the most part, an all-gay show. The same place, Flappers. Uh, and I-, I was happy to do it. I just I want the stage time. I just like to perform. Uh, I like to see people that I've uh, never seen perform before. And then I was like, oh, do I need to change my act? I don't know, whatever it is. I mean, I, and I was like, I could be, I, listen, I'm not the most, you know, typical macho. Is that even a word? Is macho even a word anymore? I'm not that. So it's not like people are going to be like, who's this cool jock? I don't, whatever. I, my words are archaic. I don't know what I'm saying. But uh, I was a little bit nervous that maybe they were like, oh, we don't, it's dumb. Like, it's like, we don't, but other comments were kind of making like kind of light references to me, like another stand up that was a, 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 a straight guy that was up there. So I felt like I needed to address it. But like, I was just like, you know, kind of not really apologizing, but, uh, you know, I was like, you know, full disclosure, I'm straight. And I mean, honestly, throughout my life, I've had to tell girls that in dating. I was like, full disclosure, I'm straight. And they're like, yeah, right. So it all worked out. It was a great show. Everyone was super funny. Now I want to get into my conversation with Douglas Kim. Again, this poker is like, it thing is really intriguing to me because I mean, I, I go to Las Vegas a lot and I, I see it through, you know, a very cursory pedestrian kind of lens. But when I hear about it, and almost like a, well, it's a sport, it's, and it's celebrity, it's all those things, and just kind of hearing about it from someone who sat at the table, at like, I guess the highest stakes thing, because there's a point where you're not, you don't know poker, and then there's a point where you're, point where you're sitting at the table, uh, and I wanted to find out what went on be- between that and that, and then being like, you know what, I was like, I, I have, you know, been doing acting, uh, I am going to now put that out there, kind of full on and then he got his own uh his own facebook show which at a point where it's like facebook they don't have their own show and it's like oh now they do and doug has it so let's talk to doug so you know what's interesting is uh you have uh something in common with my wife or i'm in love with both of you is that weird is that the thing (laughs) why can't it be that um I was like, are we both Korean? I don't know. Um, <laughs> no, unfortunately. Yeah. She's like Russian. Yeah. Me alone a bride. I know. Uh, no. Yeah. No. I wouldn't have ordered her. I'm kidding. I would have ordered her. No, I wouldn't have. Or- Why are you trying to get me to admit that I would pay for a wife? 
Uh, I can't afford it. I can't afford it. I don't know. I do hey, a I'm podcast. Getting to that point, yeah, so, you I can't. Know. I can't afford it. Um, uh, she is, and this is something I've never really experienced. She's uh, also was a, a, I don't know if she was semi-pro poker player. So oh, she, yeah. Okay. So she, you know, do, you know sometimes we'll t- like see like a certain celebrity. She's like, oh, I used to play poker with him at a celebrity tournament. It's, it's funny because um, you're not the first Jewish person who has a Russian wife. Mm-hmm. That also plays poker that yeah. I know. Okay, so. cool. So I'm just <laughs> As, you know, apparently it's a thing. Yeah, I I thought I was special. Uh, but yeah, she still I she, she still goes to like uh, like the bike. She goes to uh down um that card house uh, commerce commerce. She goes she'll go down yeah. to commerce or she's in Vegas. She'll like play like a tournament or something like sure. that. I don't think she's like uh hustling and grinding like maybe she used to. Yeah. Um, but that's like kind of like. You're known for that, right? Being a pro poker player. Uh, yeah. No, that was like um, that was a while ago when I uh, final table the World Series in 2006. But uh, yeah, the game's gotten a lot harder since then. It's gotten a lot tougher, for sure. But how does um, it get like the game doesn't change? So how does it get tougher? Um, it's similar to how like um, like chess, for example, before computers, you know, there was you know they were the grandmasters and you know they they knew what was going on, but you know, in the '90s when Deep Blue uh, beat Gary Kasparov, you know, it was like whoa, like the best person in the world is beaten by a machine, and the machine it, it wasn't because like um, it was just because the machine can see like all these possible different combinations. And so with poker in uh, the early 2000s, um, you know, online poker became really popular. And because of that, you know, it wasn't that machines were learning, but it was that humans were learning um, with a larger data set. Um, They were playing millions and millions of hands. And so with that, uh, they were able to extract um, theories about poker that were a lot different than, you know, 20, 30 years ago. Um, just by nature of having like tons of tons of data and being able to parse through it and being able to figure out, okay, what's uh, the best possible game theory optimal solution for these types of games. And over time, like even five years ago, uh, people started using um, AI kind of like solvers that like you would plug in certain like uh parameters within the program and it would give you like the game theory optimal solution towards it and, and we're getting to the point where you know i wouldn't say the game is solved per se uh but it's getting closer to it do you think do you think the players ages like because you know uh when you're you know younger and you're kind of born into like the internet your like your brain might be more supple to absorb kind of like that uh way of learning as, as opposed to somebody who's like well into playing poker the way they've been playing it or playing chess the way they've been playing it and they're not uh as ready to adapt to to like kind of learning that way do you think age has anything to do with of it of course yeah. yeah age has a lot to do with it i mean in the online poker like 10 years ago when it became like super popular um you know you had all these you know internet whiz kids uh just like blasting through and like playing like nosebleed high stakes and you see the old, like the old guard, the the you know the personalities you see on the World Series of Poker. They they started to die out because they weren't adapting to the new type of um, online play, and um, yeah, just coupled with that, and then the 2011 crackdown on online internet gambling, sure. 
I've heard I've heard that the stories yeah of woe just like destroyed the poker economy like the I guess the ecosystem so to speak um and so like the games have just become that much harder because you know the recreational players now have no way of playing and so all you have are just a collection of pros just like fighting for each other's money is it like like is it feasible for a really good poker player to make a living living playing poker year round not just like doing one i mean is that something or is the the chances of you losing so high you you there's just no no way of knowing that you're going to make a living from doing it uh it depends on your skill level i mean if you are one of the best in the world i mean obviously it's still very profitable right um but yeah like i guess over time that that threshold has gotten harder and harder um to make money uh but yeah i mean like i i have friends that um play professionally year long and and do this for a living and um yeah they can consistently win um not like every session but like you know but overall it's it's not about one or you know right. it's like you could you know if you lose a hundred dollars one day because i know you're playing those big stakes one hundred dollars uh i know it's big big money in poker um but you might win like Two hundred dollars the next day, sure. You know, and if you lose fifty dollars and you win three, you know what I mean. So it's yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's it's a longer right, game. Right, right, right. Uh, um, I'm, I just learned how to sort of learn how to play craps at a very basic level. I don't really gamble, but I was like, this is kind of fun because it's very inclusive. Yeah, it's a very communal game, craps. Is, yeah, I, I would when I play, you know, I'd stay at like the encore, but I'd play at Circus Circus because it's like five dollars. Uh, <laughs> I'm not willing to. I'm willing to lose that, but I'm not willing to you know play like twenty five dollar you know sure. chips or whatever. Um, now let's go back. I just wanted to start there. Sure. Are you just? I was looking around. You're from Yonkers. Uh, I was born in Yonkers. You're born in Yonkers, uh, but I grew up nearby. I mean, I grew up uh, four or five years in Yonkers. Yeah, uh, so I lived there for a little bit, and then uh, I moved to um, a town called Hartsdale. But really, I was like in the Artsley School District. I, well, I know. I listen. I dated a girl from Artsley. <laughs> so you're uh, from Westchester. I'm not from Westchester. Okay. I'll explain where I, I'm from, okay. uh, and I think you're gonna get it. You'll get it. Uh, because uh, Scarsdale's right next to Ardsley, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So I was uh, – my family kind of originated in New Jersey. Okay. My dad stayed in New Jersey, and uh, my mom took us to uh, upstate. But upstate – it's weird. When you're like talking Albany? To people, no, upstate. Upstate. Poughkeepsie if, type? Exactly. Okay. That's what I was going to – so I grew up in a, a t- Newburgh is where I went to. Okay. Um, but when I say Newburgh out here, no one knows it, even though it's such like a big – it's a big – a lot of crime and stuff. I went to high school in Newburgh. But if I say Poughkeepsie – Everybody knows yeah. it, and there was a time I, I lived in Poughkeepsie. For, you know, that's that area or whatever. Sure. So that's the area I grew up in, uh, and uh, you obviously know what that is. Yeah, like I went to a community college in Rockland County. Oh you know? yeah, that's so it would cool. be yeah, 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 yeah. So it's like Orange, Rockland, and then I guess Westchester, right? Yeah. Or then be like you know what I mean, like going up there. And so you you grew up in Westchester, right? Yeah, lucky you. <laughs> lucky see for me westchester was always like i mean and from what i knew and my very like kind of like kind of narrow view was just like westchester was like rich people yeah and jews no, and jews and jews jews and, italians yeah. a very small contingent of koreans yeah. and uh a lot of yeah wasp yeah, right yeah. yeah uh so what what happened in westchester to be to 
what was your like goal? Like, was poker like something you were like? Oh no, <laughs> poker came in late in my life okay. when uh, after I finished high school. Actually, well, that's very late in your life. Yeah, it's so late, so late, late, super late. You're done pretty much. Yeah, pretty you, much. You know. <laughs> <laughs> um, when I grew up, I uh, so I grew up to like obviously current American parents um, who came to the states shortly before you know my sister and I were born. Um, I, w- I was in Seoul recently, so okay, I get it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was there for a week. Okay, I think I get it. Yeah, no, I I was there recently last year for the first time by myself. But yeah, um, but yeah, so they um, came to America. I think you know, with the obvious immigrant, like you know, making a better life for themselves because you know they came from Korea, like the. They were born right after like the Korean War it had just happened, and and so they um, had this strong sense of like you need a sense of security, you need like you know a job after college, blah blah. blah. So that's that's the big like Korean American mentality from that generation, and so that's why a lot of like Korean Americans were like brought up and raised to be like very educationally like this is important, blah blah. blah. So my sister and I. Um, we kind of were in that kind of crucible of like education is number one and key and you know being westchester it's full of like jewish people italian people and all these people living in upstate education was number nine or 11 for us or 15 yours is number one <laughs> ours it was like fast food um don't get arrested and then like education was like number 15 on that list that, that list that doesn't exist. No, it was it was one through fifteen. Okay, yours one through fifteen. In, in, Ours started at fifteen. Uh and so what what did like what was you what was like the plan for you? So yeah, I mean like it was it was funny because like, you know, my dad's a doctor and so I guess there was like maybe like a slight expectation that I'd follow in the family footsteps and become a doctor too. But I think it was more like when I grew up, it was like, okay, the parents are just like saying, just study hard and, you know, the rest will fall into place. And, you know, you know, all you need is a good education and you'll be set for life. And so that's kind of like the mentality I grew up with. I, I, I don't think like I had like a clear like, oh, I want to be this. I want to be that, blah, blah, blah. Um, I think it was by um, high school, middle school where I was like, oh, I like love video games. I love playing video games, you know, like. What if I became a video game developer? What if I became like you know someone who was involved in that? And so um, I think late in my uh, high school career, I, I started to like think I was gonna you know study computer science, um, and I applied to like MIT, Harvard, blah blah. blah. Didn't get in, but uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, I didn't get so I didn't get into six of the nine colleges I applied to. Um, and that was another funny story, I guess, like, cause, cause I eventually got into Duke, which is, you know, a top 10 school. Um, but it's not number one. Right. So it's funny cause yeah, my, my parents kind of had an issue at the time with it. Um, the disclaimer, they, they said they've gotten over it by now. <laughs> or my Spoiler alert. They've gotten over it. But there was actually a little bit of a, you know, contentious time because like, it was like, oh, I guess you got into Duke. I guess that's fine. You know, like, cause my sister went to Harvard and so like expectations were, did room. you hold it over your head a lot? Yeah, all the time. Of yeah, course. of course. Yeah, I went to Harvard, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
She's like, I, she's like, why, why would I listen to you? I went to Harvard. Can you even read? Yeah, it's like the whole point of getting to Harvard is to say you got to Harvard. Yeah, I, mean, I, I would no never not there. say. If I had six-pack abs, I would never wear a shirt. And if I went to Harvard, I would literally start in every conversation with, I went to Harvard. Yeah, exactly. Like, why wouldn't you? I mean, I don't know. That's what you're paying for. <laughs> uh, so, at, but what, like, like, then what did you do? Because poker, you said, came a little bit later. Sure. Which is an interesting thing to, because I don't because there's a point where you don't know how to play poker at all, right? And then you're like, "What is what is the poker?" <laughs> Not only how do I learn how to play it more than having fun, how do I become very good at it and then you know win a win a big tournament sure. uh, of it? Um, uh, how does that like come like what? How does that happen? So, uh, so it was funny because. Before I even started playing poker, I had this like aversion to gambling. I was a very risk averse person. I, I'm like that too. When, when it comes with gambling, you know, when it comes to like rock and roll and women, man, yeah, I roll the dice every single time. Well, never, I never do. I never ever do. But I just wanted to say I did. But yeah, I, I'm I'm of that mind. Yeah. So I never even touched gambling before that. Like it was the senior year, uh, summer after senior year. My friend, who's a year above me, he he went to college. He went to Northwestern. And he came back, and he's he like I, I guess you know in college you you experience a lot of things, and one of the things he experienced was like oh I played some poker with some buddies, it's this awesome game blah 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 like and like there's a strategy to it, and like you know if you follow these strategies you'll like come out ahead, and it's like all about the long term, and I was like uh really whatever. I was like, okay. What about a Roth IRA? That's <laughs> yeah, that pretty much. Yeah, 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 that's pretty much. That's what me. I would say. Um, yeah, at the age of eighteen, I was like, you know, <laughs> but um, a high yield bond. What about that? <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, we ended up playing it like a five cent, ten cent limit game. So you know, it was very low stakes, but like you know, immediately I was hooked. And, and that's how people get addicted to gambling and ruin their lives. Exactly. Right. I mean, that's and like I played my freshman year at Duke. Um, and I was very obsessed with it because like did it you know, affect your grades at all? Oh, it certainly it, it trashed my grades, and and that was <laughs> another point of contention with me and my parents. Uh, and not only that, I actually lost money. Uh, my freshman, yeah, my my freshman year, um, it was like four hundred dollars. Um, playing in like maybe twenty dollar like home games. Um, which, you know, in the grand scheme of things isn't a lot, but, you know, as a college freshman... Um, and you're losing. Losing stinks, right. you know? It's just like, uh, like I, I felt like I could be good at this game. Like, why am I not succeeding? Or why, like, there, there's something to it. So over that summer, I, I got a lot of books and read a lot of books, and, and, and I also started to... There was a forum called 2 Plus 2 um, that was uh, mainly geared towards poker poker playing, and so, you know, I would post hands on these forums and, like, get feedback and, like, oh, like, how, how do I play this or whatever, um, and, as well as um, signing up for online gambling more. Uh, I, I think I signed up for online poker uh, my sophomore year, and there was this thing called bonus whoring where, like, they gave you, like, 20% bonus, like, that you'd have to play through, and then, like, you could just move your bankroll to another site and just do the same thing. And then that's how people built up their bankrolls. And yeah, that sophomore year, it's kind of when I like kind of cut my teeth a little bit uh, playing online and like signing up for, uh, I also bought like a statistical tracking site that like tracks your hand histories and like how you're playing and, and so on and so forth. 
And so is there fun? Like, is there fun in playing, or is it just become like a just a, all strategy? Or is there is there like fun to be had? There's is, definitely fun. I mean, I think in the early stages when you're first getting into it, when you're first like. It's just so intellectually stimulating. Right. And it's a little bit of adrenaline and right. excitement. And, oh, and, yeah. I think, like, you definitely have fun. Or my biggest fun was, <laughs> like, when I was 21. Uh, this was even before the World Series or whatever. Uh, but, you know, you're allowed to go to Vegas, right? You're allowed to gamble. You're allowed to do stuff. So when you turn 21 and you go to these casinos for the first time and you're playing, like, with actual chips that, like, represent real dollars, you're like, holy crap, this is this is awesome. Like, And you're just crushing these noobs at the table. And it's just like you feel, like, invincible. Um, so that's definitely uh, the, the, the highlight, I guess, like, or one of the highlights of, of, of becoming a poker player uh, when you turn 21. It's just like this this rush of just... You can do anything. <laughs> you want to know something that makes me feel like I can do anything? Talking about my sponsor. Support for the show. RX Bar. Love it. I've been eating it for... This is where things get exciting for me. Mm. I've been eating RX Bars for years, and uh, I'm just like one of those people that are very particular about protein. I've been eating protein bars, I feel like, uh, since I've been 18, and they are... Uh, Sometimes they're not that good, and uh, I'm really particular about, like, the protein quality. And RX Bar, I was just like, it's great. It's egg whites. I like egg whites. And if you go to rxbar.com slash FWB and put in the code FWB at checkout, you get 25% off. Um, the ingredients are right on the – the label is so clear, and it just lists what's on the label, like egg whites, dates, almonds – they're real food, real ingredients. Uh, I am usually a fan of like the berry flavors, the blueberry, uh, the all the berry type flavors because I like the fruit flavors. But I've been in love with the peanut butter chocolate, the chocolate and peanut butter. Uh, I've become a little bit uh, hooked on. So I've been eating like I feel like I've been eating like two of those a day. I should be mixing it up. Gonna mix it up, but I can't let go of that chocolate and peanut butter. But if you like sweet, savory chocolate fruit. There's an RX bar for you. There's 11 flavors, so you'll never, ever get bored. They're gluten-free, soy-free, dairy-free, no added sugar. It's free of all the stuff you don't want, and it has all the stuff that you do want. Uh, it's great for protein, pre-workout, post-workout. I definitely always have one pre-workout, and now I'm starting to include one post-workout, but I definitely always have one pre-workout for that energy. It's great for breakfast on the go, snack at the office. You just, you're taking a flight, no excuse. Get an RX bar. Uh, you can put it in your backpack for a bike ride. And, uh, I mean, yeah, the egg white protein is, like, what I'm just so particular about that. And it just tastes good. I just like the taste of it. And it's hard when you have to, like, force yourself to eat something you don't want to eat. I'm particular about calories. I'm particular about ingredients. And then I'm very particular about taste. So RX bar is something I've already been eating, so I'm very, very happy to talk about it. But if you go to rxbar.com slash FWB, Put in the code FWB at checkout. You get 25% off. That's rxbar.com slash FWB. And then put FWB in the checkout for 25% off. Okay, poker. Okay. Okay, poker. So now you're getting into the – it's getting hot. Things are starting to – Right, in, in college, in junior And I also year. was reading that like this kind of was happening for you around the same time. Uh, economically, the world was in that kind of weird place. Was that is that is that something? 
Uh, so I started, I guess my freshman year was around 2002. Okay, uh, so not yet. So yeah, not yet. 2003 was the Moneymaker year. Yeah. I don't know if you know about Chris Moneymaker. Christopher Moneymaker? Yeah. I don't know, but I want to know all about Chris so, Moneymaker. <laughs> so, so in 2003, um, Chris Moneymaker, uh, he was this guy who won the World Series of Poker. Uh, yeah, his name was actually Moneymaker. So he, yeah. I mean, the, <laughs> he can't not make money or people would never let him live it down. Right. <laughs> I mean, he had it, to be working. It, it was like a weird, like, Hollywood, like straight out of Hollywood story. He, like, qualified by playing, like, one of these online uh, qualifiers on. So it, what, how it works is, like, you maybe spend, like, $200 or whatever, and you play, like, a tournament where the grand prize is a seat to the World Series. So this was on Poker Stars where he played, and he, and he played one of these, and he um, went to the World Series, and he actually won it. And this was the first time on TV – uh, where they introduced the whole cam. It's a very simple concept, right? The whole cam that sees your cards. But up to 2003, n- no person had ever done this before. Where, like, because, like, in poker, you just, like, kind of, like, watch them. Or when it was televised, you just watch them. And, you know, if the sh- hand was showed down, like, oh, you get to see what they had. But, like, now it's like, oh, we could see what everyone has with these hold cams. And that make it more, makes it more exciting. Right, exactly, for the viewer. Because you're, you're kind of in on the... Right, right, right. It's interesting. How do they know how to like because the player doesn't does play does player he knows his cards. Yeah, yeah. So the player has to like go like that. Oh, okay, so that's how they're filming. Yeah, it. Yeah, okay. yeah. So there's a cold cam that's in, oh, in okay, your, right there. Uh, the table, right? Like embedded in the table. And so, um, so you're like playing along in a way, kind of. Yeah. yeah. So like this was the first time they were doing this whole camp thing, and this you know this nobody Chris Moneymaker like like comes out of nowhere i mean like all the other past champions they've had like experience in the poker world before they became champions but this was like you know out of nowhere this guy like just takes it down and um it almost like causes i don't know if that was a single cause or uh one of the causes but there was this poker boom that happened from 2003 to 2006 essentially where like everyone and their mother wanted to get into poker um, and that was like during the time that I was starting to get into poker as well. So I was very fortunate to like just be in that poker boom, like during the 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 height of all all you know the poker stuff that's going on. And by my junior year, I was making significant amount of money. Um, you know, where I was buying like plasma TV or whatever, all these random things in like a dorm room that shouldn't be in a dorm room. Um, But I think, like, I was still, like, you know, quote-unquote, you know, doing the Asian thing by, you know, putting in, you know, a good amount of time studying and, 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 like, because after my freshman year, I had a little talking to and, like, and, and, you know, like, a little, like, of the, uh, what are we paying forty fifty thousand dollars $50,000 a year for if you're just going to, like, you know, not get good grades? Did you just believe, did you just believe (laughs) kind of, like... I'll show you, like, I'm going to be successful at this? Or did you not know what was ahead of you? I didn't know. Okay. I, have, I had no idea. It was kind of like... You had a like, plasma TV, so you are like, yeah, I'm already ahead, I guess. Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, I, I never thought of it as a career, actually, during college. It was more like, I, I can do this on the side. I can make some money. I can make some good money and have some fun doing it. Um, I thought like, you know, during the time it was just so easy to make money. I was like, oh, it's always going to be there. It's always going to be, you know, easy, you know, but you know, let me, let me just have that. Uh, but also like 
explore other things as well. And that was kind of my mentality. Like I, after a while, like by my senior year, I was like, you know what, poker's fun, but I, I couldn't see myself being like a professional poker player. Like, what could as you, my... what could you see yourself being at that point? Um, I mean, I had already applied, so I had transitioned, I guess, into economics or studying economics, and um, I was sold on being a consultant. Um, it, it seemed interesting to me. It sounds cool. Yeah, it sounds cool. Uh, I learned later on that you know it wasn't everything I thought it would was, but that's for later. But um, that's for part time, seven of yeah. this anthology series, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, but. I think it was presented to me in a way where like, oh, you're using your strategical mind and you're applying it to the real world. You're you're like going to these companies and like, how can we make this more efficient? How can we make this more effective? Um, and, and that was like appealing to me where I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. How do I, you know, come in and like, you know, try to solve these people's problems in business? Um, and so I was already uh, going to do that or um, I had gotten a job. Uh, doing that in January of my senior year or like lined up to do that and so that was kind of like my mentality and then like I was also like um yeah by the summer I was kind of thinking like you know what why don't I have one last hurrah why don't I have like one last ride or whatever in poker and so uh that's when I decided to like play a lot of these tournaments the one the same ones that Chris Moneymaker had played um in order to to win a seat to get to the world series and uh yeah so i did that all summer uh after my senior year um and i actually managed to win the very last one like five days before the main event and so what so were you like um were you prepare were you preparing to to be part of the world series of poker or were you like this is like uh you know a shot in the dark I was just um, ready to experience. Yeah. I was just ready to take in and, and, and see what happens. I, I just wanted a story before, you know, because I was going to start work maybe like a couple months later. So I was like, you know what? Let's. Just... It's like your bachelor party. Uh, sort of. You were getting. <laughs> yeah. It's like, uh, yeah, a different kind of bachelor party. Well, no, maybe it's not a different kind some of bachelor Some people, yeah. Some yeah. people, that's, that's, that does it for them. So, so when you. You're at the World Series of Poker. Were you? Do you feel like once you were there, you're like, oh, I've been preparing for this the whole time? Or were you like, wow, this is like not what you expected? Or initially, or were you like, I'm, you know, I'm good? I was amped. I yeah. was definitely amped. I mean, I'm a 22-year-old guy at that point. And so I'm fear, like, like your fear level is probably like a little bit low because you are 22. Because maybe if you were doing it and you're like, you know. 32 or 35 you're like oh am i too old for this or like what am i doing like i should be you know what i mean i should have a house you know or, or those, <laughs> you know those things you have when you get a little bit older you feel like the stakes are a little bit higher but sure. when you're 22 you're just like i literally this is like the fact that i'm here is amazing yeah let's i've go. already won let's yeah, do it yeah yeah were you uh, intimidated well i had actually gone the year before because my friend the, the same friend mm -hmm. that went to northwestern won a seat prior and then he played uh in 2005 and I had already kind of like seen the the scene a little bit, so I had a little bit of you know Did some recon. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I wasn't like too like oh my god, deer out of deer in the headlights. Um, but it was like pretty nerve wracking, you know, the first few hands. Um, Do you wear like sung like Did you have like a I hood did on? have sunglasses? Unfortunately, I, I know it's a cliche, but I is it important? On, but so um, 
it can be important in if it gives the person wearing it a certain so, sense of comfort yeah right like you know when you wear sunglasses no one can really tell where you're looking right yeah. so like sometimes it gives you the freedom to look where or a you tear want. running down if they don't see the tears welling up in your eyes right. you know what i mean if you're like i can't do it and the tears are welling up they can't see that right that's why i wear them day to day though so people can't see me crying <laughs> about my life as i'm walking yeah. down the street well yeah i mean you don't want to people see you crying during no. a bad beat either. So, yeah. Uh, oh, bad beat. My wife talks about that all the time. She had a couple of bad beats, uh, whatever. So I, I'm familiar with the lingo. All right, yeah, all right, yeah, all right. yeah. Um, but yeah, I did have this. I had uh, Oakley sunglasses. Oh. Uh, yeah, this is 2006. Oh, okay, so, so it fits. Okay. Yeah, but still, even 2006, it was not yeah, a good look. Right. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> Sorry, 2006 Oakley wearers. Not a good look. Yeah. So um, I also had a, had a Poker Stars hat on. Um, so you're wearing a, a poker hat to a poker thing? Yeah, because like it's like wearing the shirt of the concert. They that you're give at. you <laughs> they give you like a thousand dollars. Oh, it's a sponsor uh, for wearing their their yeah. thing during the, the oh, event. Oh, okay. I'd wear five of them then. And then since I made the final table, actually, they may gave me a hundred k for making the final table. Whoa, <laughs> Sam, are you okay over there? I just you just audibly is that soylent really getting to you? <laughs> it's really hit you. You heard that and you're like, I will never see that amount of money. In my entire life, if I live to be 500, that's what I'm thinking. I don't know if Sam here thinking the same the same thing. You didn't you didn't break the the, the podcast, did you? No. no okay, good. good. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, a hundred thousand. You're talking about. I was like, yeah, they gave me I don't know, a hundred thousand dollars or something like that. Yeah, I would tattoo their thing on my eyeballs for a tenth of that. <laughs> uh, but go on. So yeah, I mean, this was even before the the patch and the the all this other stuff like became like sponsorships and whatever. It was it's almost like a race big. car driver in yeah. a way, yeah. Because like you know, Poker Stars from two thousand three, two thousand four, two thousand five, they had every winner from two thousand three to two thousand five was actually Poker Stars sponsored, or they they won a seat through Poker Stars or something. So they they had it in their best interest to keep the you know the brand aware. But knowing you had a hundred thousand dollars, weren't you like? I already won. Oh, no. This is like for making the final table. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, I mean, I would be sitting there being like, I already feel like I've, you know what I mean? Like, Well, yeah. So the final table at that year, in this year, uh, the minimum payout like for ninth place was like, I don't know, something probably like 1.4 million. So 100K, you know, it's 100K, but, you know, you already won that much too. So. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I can see what am I? Face. Oh. <laughs> As soon as you said Westchester, I knew this was going to be trouble. Um, okay, so you knew even before you got there, you were going to have a minimum. Like you can't, you you can't totally crap out. And no, no, not before. Like so, you had to make so top ten percent gets right. paid money, right? Uh, and you made the top ten percent. Uh, you have to make it day three or day four. But you did do that. You made. Top, yeah, yeah, I mean, I made the. You know, this I made the final table, so that's the top point one percent. So colleges, you were top only top ten. I don't, I didn't forget that that you only went to Duke. Don't worry, yeah. I'm gonna throw that in your face. All right, but so you made the top one percent even before you put a hand down. No, 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 oh, no, 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 no. Okay. This was like you had to play through uh, to okay. get to the, you know, right. So the tournament works where um, everyone sits at a table. It's nine people at a table, and when someone gets eliminated or they lose all their chips, they're out. Okay. So um, it's a it's a battle of attrition, yeah. basically. You're grinding. Um, yeah, yeah. So like, when I say the top one percent or the top ten percent, that means 
um, if there were a thousand players, there's only a hundred players remaining now. Um, and like when enough players get eliminated, they break the table and they put the the players in different seats at at another table that are empty. Um, so what ended up ended up happening with this? Ended up happening with what? With, with your at the end of this at this world. Oh, Series. so I I ended up finishing in seventh place. Uh, and what does that yield? A little less than two point four million dollars U.S. Do you hear the silence? <laughs> <laughs> Sam, you okay? <laughs> what are we doing wrong? <laughs> beside everything, beside everything. So, uh, I mean, were you? All right, number one, I would have called my parents and I would go in your face, in your face, call my sister and be like, "I'll go buy Harvard." Um, I mean, is that what you like did? Like, what? Like, what then? Uh, well, in the my immediate reaction was one of disappointment because I, you know, you want to win, right? You want to win the top prize. You want to. If I find a dollar in my pocket, <laughs> I'm like, whoa, things are looking up. <laughs> well, at that point, because like, so when there's seven, you also players... you want to win too. There's yeah, like yeah. a thing about winning. Like the money yeah. is wonderful for me as an outsider. Right. But for you as an insider, that's been working. And hard. first place money was twelve million. So there's but that. What are you gonna do with twelve million? <laughs> five times as much as I would do with 2.4. I mean, you pulled up here and you drove five Teslas here. I saw you pulled I'm just kidding. Uh, I don't know how you drove five of them at the same time. Uh, so you win, did that change your, did that change your, did your life change after that? So, funnily enough, it didn't really because like, you know, I was, you know, while it is a lot of money, you know, you know, Uncle Sam takes their share, and oh, um, then you're what? What is that? Yeah, it's like you got one point eight. <laughs> it's a little less than a million dollars. Okay, okay. Uh, it 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 hurt a little bit, but yeah. but not only that, it was kind of like, you know, I'm I'm starting a career in New York as a management consultant for financial industries, and you know, if I play my cards right in this industry, you know, this money, while you know, sizable, will be kind of just like the basis of a nest egg. Yeah. Um, you know, apartments in Manhattan run for yeah, sure. a gajillion dollars for, you know, a studio. Um, so it wasn't like, quote unquote, fuck you money. It right. was more like, okay, this is comfortable. Like I can, I can kind of like have a little safety net kind of money. Um, so being, you know, the conservative person that I am, I was just like, all right, I'm just going to start my work as planned in September and just, you know, live normally um as much as i can uh i didn't like go out and buy a crazy car or whatever i made a few like you know purchases a like... bigger plasma tv <laughs> <laughs> yeah pretty much uh what's your family what did people th- what, you know what i mean like do people around you change or, or is that no not really i mean you're right coming from westchester uh it's it's not like again it wasn't like a crazy insane amount of money like where people in newburgh like, you already would have been mugged yeah <laughs> or held <laughs> hostage oh god quit for way less <laughs> for way less uh so yeah okay so westchester is kind of like uh, okay yeah pretty yeah. much um, not not like yawn, but no, like you know, know. it's it's crazy because like you know, but it's a celebrity. Th- I mean, you know what I mean, right? Right? Yeah, because you know, it's on TV and it's like you know, people back home are like, oh, we watched you on the pay per view, blah blah blah. It was, wow, it was, it was fun. yeah, it was, it was definitely fun. Uh, but no, no one was like hitting me up like, oh, oh can I have like you know ten thousand dollars? I was just like, no, that that didn't really happen. It was like, um, yeah, it was kind of like. Life went on a little bit, yeah. And you just did you did you did you, you did consulting? 
Yeah, so in 2006, I started my consulting career. Um, I did the quote-unquote prudent thing, which happened to not be the most prudent thing, which was to invest in the stock market um, at the time. Because 2007. Yeah, 2007, 2008, and then 2009. Yeah. So uh, I started my career in New York, and um, there was a lot of traveling involved that I, I, I think I wasn't really prepared for. Um, and, and that kind of lifestyle where, I don't know, I'm, I'm a very homebody type mm. person and, and all that travel kind of like wore me out over time, excuse me. Um, and so not only that, like by the end of 2007, I was just like on the, staffed on this project where, um, this was when the financial crisis started to show signs of like, you know, happening. And so towards the end of 2007, I was like staffed on this project where you know we were trying to sell a project to a company that was clearly going under and it it kind of made me like really jaded about the whole like consulting business in general i was like this is very this seems just very opportunistic and and just trying to sell your, eth- the eth- your ethics were kind of being challenged a little bit yeah like this is like not super eth- you know what i mean you right feel good about it yeah exactly so it's kind of like what are we doing here like why are, i mean like yeah we're trying to maximize our own profits and whatever but you know like this this company is dead yeah. <laughs> this company is not going to survive and no matter like how you like fiddle with the numbers or anything like that so it it after like a couple months later, I was laid off. Um, I think I was like the first of like many layoffs. Were you like, well, my... yeah. So I, I mean, like at first, I was kind of like distressed a little bit because I was like, oh my god, this career that I worked. My well, it's probably like a for. purpose. Like, what is my purpose now? Yeah, you know. And um, that was when I was kind of like, all right, well, I have a decent amount of money still. Let me let me just breathe. Yeah. Let me just take a step back and think about what I want to do with my life. Um, and this was like a few years after Harold and Kumar had come out, mm-hmm. um, where you see like Asian Americans on screen. And throughout my life, I feel like I was a very theatrical person. Um, I did um, music performance uh, in college and in high school. And um, probably being on on you know like a pay per view, there's a certain sense of you know entertainment value oh, and yeah, stuff like sure. that. So you're getting like a a bit of that feeling and and you know. Cameras around you and sure, and yeah. yeah, no, that that was very surreal experience. Yeah. I mean, like I, yeah, that was the first time you know I was mic'd up mm-hmm. or, or had an interview on ESPN and and uh, and now you're here, so how's yeah, <laughs> so it's uh, <laughs> upgrade, I, right? Yeah, but I, I like so um because you know I'm familiar with your your Facebook watch show, sure, uh, just Doug. How does how do we get there? Because Facebook Facebook video is like a new like I'm very familiar with Facebook video and. I actually was pitched something for Facebook Watch. Whatever. Uh, uh, how does that? How does that? How does that come about? The the Facebook Watch aspect of it specifically, or, or the pilot? I guess itself. yeah. Start. Yeah, let me start with the pilot, and then how does it? Uh, how does Facebook pick it up? So the pilot came um, a few years ago when I started to think about it. It was it was kind of at a point in my career where I had felt kind of like. I had no other option. It was kind of like, okay, when you're, when I know like it doesn't really matter, like age, age is just a number, blah, blah, blah. But like when you turn 30, 31, for me at least, it was kind of like, okay, where's my life going? Where, where, what am I doing with my life? If I haven't like even made 
strides in this career that I've spent, you know, five, six, seven years on, uh, what am I doing? Like, you know, my contemporaries are running hedge funds, running whatever, and these big companies or, or, you know, whatever have you. And I'm kind of just like, you know, dicking around in Hollywood and, and not really like booking anything and, and getting nowhere. Um, also like Asian, you know, Asian, Asian Americans are, you know, are kind of not underrepresented, but there's just not as many, you know, I know from the YouTube world, right. There's, uh, you know, they have a very strong, uh, I've worked a lot of like, uh, Asian, uh, YouTube channels where, and then I'm like the white guy in it. And if I go out and like, if somebody's like, Hey, I've seen you in some videos. And if that person's Asian, it's usually cause I've been in one and two, like this just kidding films who has like a big, YouTube. Oh, okay, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I'm actually friends with uh, Joe. Okay. Joe yeah. Joe. So yeah. I've worked, I've, I've worked, uh, I've worked with them and, um, uh, uh, yeah, no, they got they got their they got their gym now. Wang Fu Productions. Uh, yeah. I've done videos with them. I went to London with them uh, to do this YouTube thing. But if anyone's like, if they're Asian and they're like, I've seen you in some YouTube videos, it's either one of those two things. But they have such a strong um, uh, loyalty because it's underrepresented or or, or whatever sure. it is because there's like tons of like white people. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, really? I didn't notice that. Oh Hollywood? yeah, there's like dozens. Oh man. Yeah, I counted. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, so did you feel like you like you like I have to kind of take another sh- take another take another it's, shot? It's kind of like a, a little bit of like Custard's Last Stand yeah. type deal, where you know if you I'm gonna go it, out, hopefully. yeah, exactly. If I go out, I'm going on Blaze of Glory. Yeah. Um, this was like happening around 2014, where you know I had this audition for a role um, that was for a series regular on a TV show. And what excited me about this was like it was a role for an actor, an Asian. It was specifically an Asian male, and it was also for like a musical. So it was like a singing role type thing. And so I was like really amped for it because like you know I was doing musical performance as well uh, before. And so I like really audition or like really practice or whatever. And then um, I was really excited and go into the casting office. And she's like, oh, uh, why don't you, you can choose what you want to do in the song or the, the the part. I was like, oh, I'll just do the part because I, I really wanted to get the song. But not that I didn't prepare the part as well. You know, I, I did that, but uh, just to get it out of the way. And so I did the part and she's like, oh, I really like you. You like remind me of like a Seinfeld type of character and, and, and whatnot. And But I already know they're not going to cast you. And I'm like, oh, yeah, they're looking for someone who's more jock. And I was like... Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. And then she's like, oh, yeah, so you don't have to do the song. I was like, oh, uh, sure. Yeah. I guess. And then so I left. And, uh, and, and like, you know, I appreciate, you know, her honesty um, and all that. But at the same time, I was like, dude, like, what? I was disappointed at first. That was, that was my first thing because I was like, I didn't even get to do my song, whatever, that I prepared, like, weeks or whatever. And then, two, I was just like, frustrated because i was like well why the hell did you call me in if you already knew that they weren't going to cast me because of my look you know like it's not like i'm i represent a jock type character in my headshot or anything (laughs) yeah and so three uh i was just like in a in a state of despair like total despair where i was like oh my god there's this type of part only appears every two three years like and like all of us are fighting for that one part like when Am I gonna have to wait another three years? So you were like, I'm gonna this... make my own luck, kind of with make my own. Not yet. Thing. Okay. This is kind of like I was still in despair. I was yeah. still in like, oh god. So that's when I started to watch this show. I, I did what anyone 
depressed does yeah. they binge netflix yeah um and i watch a show louis by louis ck sure. and i started watching it i just binged through it and um yeah it kind of inspired me because like i i saw it and then i saw a lot of different shows that were kind of like emulating that style like girls um uh and i, I think uh togetherness and, and and shows that kind of like emphasized ultra realism over like you know i guess theatricalism right. in 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 storytelling and i was like oh man this is the way this is the direction in which storytelling is going i need to make something like this for asian americans i need to make something that that fits this type of tone and storytelling for asian americans and, and i thought it would be like you know kind of like um revolutionary in that sense so that's like when i was kind of like I started writing. I started writing vignettes of my own life, and and just just started to uh, just keep doing that. Uh, but in 2015, I I teamed up with a writer um, who lives in LA, and and I started writing a pilot TV episode, and that and that's kind of like where it all yeah. came from. How did Facebook? Uh, you know, because the people like, oh, I didn't know Facebook. Facebook is now you know into uh, you know original content. Sure. Um. So how did that? Uh. So do you feel like that was like a a a good move. I mean, I'm assuming it's a good move. It sounds like a good move. Yeah. Uh, um, does it? What comes next from that? I guess for 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 just Doug. So yeah. So Facebook. Um, they recently launched a watch platform. Mm -hmm. Um, this was kind of in August of last year, so it's pretty really new. new. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So in the past few years, Facebook has you know. A, had a lot of video content on their feeds and you you know you you view it so i think what they wanted to do was basically um create a landing spot for all these videos so that you know somebody can consume it uh i think their end game or something close to it is basically replacing um the tv viewing experience where excuse me um basically you know when you turn on your tv uh, you have to like look for what you want to watch. Right. You want to like go through your DVR and like set all the things. Facebook and, like, just gives it to you. <laughs> exactly. So Facebook is like the the idea is to have a place where you just turn it on and it gives you what you like based on your likes and preferences sure. and whatever. And and you know you just upvote or downvote based on like if you like it or not. And and it'll just like calibrate towards what you want. And so. Um, I got connected to the watch platform. I, I got connected to their content guys. Um, and when they saw our stuff, they were like, oh, we can give you an opportunity to be one of our watch uh, members. So it was kind of like I saw it as a good opportunity because, like, um, you know, in YouTube's early days, a lot of the first movers in that space became big uh, YouTube uh, stars, I guess, sure. because just by sole reason of like, you know, they were the only people doing the, the, the stuff that they were doing. And so um, I thought if there was a similar type of advantage for Facebook, uh, that would be really good for our show because like, you know, they'd get instant amount of exposure from people being like, oh, what's this Facebook watch thing? Oh, let me check it out. Oh, what do they have? Oh, just Doug. Let me see that. So that's kind of like my mentality going in. And that's kind of like, it's has like a dating aspect uh, to it or just like your life, you know, just like your life. My show or yeah, the show, your show. Yeah. So my show is like semi-autobiographical. It's, I want to hesitate when I say it's similar to master of none because you know, this, I wrote this before that even came out. 
Um, and I do think there are uh, clear differences because um, uh, Master of None I see as a show that's very episodic or like based on ideas or or you know stuff in a stand up yeah. routine. Uh, whereas my show, I think, is more narrative based. Right. It's it's more of a, a, a character arc uh, to it. Like you know, my my character um, going through Hollywood mm-hmm. and and figuring out the ins and outs of the industry. And so, <clears throat> I would say that like, uh, yeah. What was I saying again? I so what comes <laughs> next? So, so kind of like wrap it up. Like what comes next for just Doug, or what comes next for you as far as? Hollywood or your life or like what's what's next for you and the show and everything yeah so for the show um actually what's next we have some pretty exciting stuff uh we're going to be on the there's there's this uh, platform called drama fever um it's a platform started uh, a, a decade ago um they basically have um they do the ex- actually the opposite of what Hollywood does Hollywood makes content ships it over to China. Mm. So they they bring over Asian dramas and bring it over to America or or the Western part of the world. And so uh, one of their executives reached out to me um, when they saw the show and was like, oh, we can we can feature your show because um, he wants to start a um, English speaking initiative there. Oh. And so we can feature your show and um, get it to the audience that that it's intended for. So I'm pretty excited about that. Right. Uh, we're going to be on there probably around, I think the date's February 16th. And what's the website for that? So we can it's dramafever.com. It. Okay. So it typically has like Korean dramas and, and Chinese dramas, but this will be the first show, I think, um, that's exclusively like English speaking um, on their platform. And where can we find you otherwise? Uh you could find me on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, my Twitter handle is Sweet Justice. My Instagram is Vindicating Justice. <laughs> are, are you a uh, are you a hitman? I don't. <laughs> it's just a, it's way off brand. So justice <laughs> is like a thing. It was like a catchphrase of mine. I mean, my my the LLC I created for the show is okay. Justice Tech Industries. Okay. Just Doug. I mean, that's oh god, that's got where it, it kind of comes from. Got it. Where like it's it's a double meaning. It sounds like you're like, vigilante. Yeah. Uh, it's very tough. It's very tough. I'm like, whoa. Um, well, thanks for being here. I wish we could talk more about we'll, uh, we'll follow up and see how everything's going. Sure. Um, yeah. I'm just going to think about that dollar I found in my pocket, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. They both come in giftable boxes with savings up to $46 and free shipping for a limited time. Go to OseaMalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide.